of events. So life is made up of a series of events. How you look at those series of events are either making you bitter or they're making you better. So go back right now in your mind and think about your life. Think about where you're at right now. Think about how you got to this point, how you arrived here, how the train pulled into this station. You're sitting here right now and Life is made up of all the stops along the way, and you arrived here. How you look at those events, from what side of the coin you look at them at, as there have been times you've looked at it and you've gotten bitter. There have been times you've risen above the situation. You were able to go, no, no, I'm, 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 this, this, this is not one that I want, but, it, but it's going to make me better. The life events, how you look at the life events, and your ability to get on top of them or your ability for them to drown you is all won or lost in the mind. Every single time that you won and that a life event, you said, okay, no matter, no matter what this means, family, we're going to be okay. It's because you won it in the mind. If at any time, all of us have been there, we look at a life event and, event and we, we walk down the path of bitterness and we find ourselves in the basement of bitterness, that was because we, in our mind, were there when the life event happened. Would you go to Romans chapter 7 and verse 25? And I would apologize for making you use your Bible, but this is church. And I just want to reiterate it again because there's a sub-war going on in this auditorium between the thumb-tab people and the non-thumb-tab people. The non-thumb-tab people have touted that they are spiritually mature, they don't need. Then if that is the case, tear the table of contents out of the front of your Bible. (laughs) Because if you have to look up a page number, you're cheating. The thumb-tab people have told me, Pastor... We just want to get to the scripture quicker. And we don't want to use our mind to do it. We want to use the word of God. And that is such a hypocritical. We will deal with you large print Bible people next week. And (laughs) the bigger the Bible, the older the saint. You need to know that. When they start walking in with the family Bible, you can go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You need pictures to keep your attention. That's it. <laughs> Romans chapter 7. I thank God. Would you look at it, please? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the what, please? Mind. Romans seven twenty five. So then with the mind, I myself serve. It is true. Life events. Better Bitter is all wrapped up in what's going on in your mind. Go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5. Stop looking around superior, you thumb-tab people right now. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So you serve with your mind. You then have the ability to have the mind of Christ. I love the Bible. I love how it tells us. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you will. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And look at verse number 2. Look at it. But even that after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. So you're going to find out that when what the mind that you have. So Paul was telling them in other chapters, look, look, let this mind be in you. And once this mind is in you, then you do have this boldness that allows you to step up. Y'all listen to this. When things happen to you, then there's either a boldness to overcome or there's not, all dependent upon the mind. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse number, 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse number 13. First Peter chapter 1 and verse number 13. It says this, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, gird up the loins of your mind. If you allow your mind to drag through the circumstances, remember those life events? If you allow your mind to drag and gird up, literally means that they would take the end of their loins and they would gird them up so that their loins would not drag on the ground. And what God is saying is this. Sometimes you got to take your mind and you got to gird it up because how you think going through those life events will determine you being bitter or you being better. So whatever is going on in your life, whatever you've experienced, whatever wake of things that are going on, life events are either making you bitter or they're making you better, all dependent upon one thing. And that is, where's your mind at when you go through it? And if your mind is dragging through the circumstances, if you're not only walking through mud, but on the other side, you got mud on the bottom of your mind. Then no wonder you're drowning and getting bitter. Now let's retreat all the way to Genesis, if you will, and we're going to talk about a lady. With this in mind that your mind and life events and God told us you can have the mind of Christ. By the way, listen to this. Christ looked at circumstances much different when he was on this earth than you and I look at circumstances. Uh, while you're turning there, Peter wanted to fight. Jesus said, no, you put it up. True Christianity is when you look at it Jesus' way and not our way. So right now, what life events are you thinking about that has come to the forefront of your mind right now that you still, that life event has made me bitter? That life event, I don't have a good outlook on what happened right there in Genesis 
There is 35 is where we're going, and it's talking to us about a lady named Rachel. Genesis 35, 16, if we could pick up there. Genesis chapter 35 and verse number 16. And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath and Rachel. Now, when you think about Rachel, if we could pause right there, Rachel was that lady in the Bible that truly had life events. These life events, as you step back and you look at Rachel's life, and you look at who was this lady, what did this lady, what was she all about, then you will find out that Rachel was Rachel the Beautiful at one time. Jacob, when she saw Rachel, said, wow, I want to marry that woman. So at some point, Brother McCarty, I was expecting you to say amen on this part. Amen. And uh, I'm just looking for that older sister you had to marry first. And uh, oh, 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 I should have not. Oh, I just created a family war right there. You're supposed to say, oh, my, at that point. And uh, not going to happen. And, uh, but she was Rachel the Beautiful. Now, now think about this. Jacob sees Rachel, and Jacob goes to Laban and says, hey, hey, that daughter of yours, I want to marry that daughter of yours. And Laban said, absolutely. So what I want you to do, Jacob, is I'll give her to you if you'll work seven years for me. He worked seven years. I think we need to put off the wedding. How long has, how long have you known Tyler? How, how long, how long, Andrea, how long have you known Tyler? Almost four years? Okay, the wedding that was supposed to take place, we still have three more years of service here. <laughs> and uh, so, 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 so Jacob's like, I, I want Rachel. I, I want to marry Rachel. He worked these seven years. She was Rachel the beautiful. But then on that night, when Rachel had the wedding dress and she was lining up at the back door, then daddy comes up and says, Rachel, um, you go into that room right there and you let your sister put on the wedding garment. Jacob had no idea. He had no idea till the next morning. And then he goes to dad and he says, hey, you lied to me. You lied to me. Because you didn't give me my love. You didn't give me Rachel the beautiful. You gave me her sister. And Laban was like, well, you know, in this country, that's just the way we do it. Now she goes from being Rachel the beautiful to Rachel the bait. Her life event. She was on her way to her wedding day and then the life event. And all of a sudden she was told another day, but this is your sister's day. Has anybody told Laban, I mean, anybody told Jacob, no, no, we'll let him find out later. Now she's Rachel the bait. Laban's like, if you'll serve me seven more years. So now Rachel's life has gone from, from Rachel the beautiful to Rachel the bait. Now the next thing is Rachel the barren. You see, now her sister's having all the children and now she cannot have children. Now, when it's family gathering, it's, 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 it's Leah is the one with the children, and the handmaids are the one with the children. But here sits Rachel the barren. Her life events, she's Rachel the beautiful. She's Rachel the bait, and now she's Rachel the barren. 
Then the next stage in her life is Rachel the burden. Give me children, else I die. Now she's living with this burden. It is not only now a dismissing. I, 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 I yes, uh, you know, Rachel, where's your children? Well, you know, God hasn't blessed me yet with children, but, but he will. He will. And she lived in this barren state with this optimism, and then it got too much. And she was like, God, give me children, or I'm going to die. And now we find Rachel the burden. Then you're going to find out that Rachel was Rachel the blessed. Finally, God touched her womb, and now she had a son named Joseph. Oh, now, now she's right up there. She's right up there with everybody else. Everybody else shows up, and now she gets to show up with her newborn. Everybody else is like, oh, beautiful children. Oh, Rachel, congratulations. You now join the ranks of you're blessed. But now we pick up in Genesis 35, if you'll look at it. And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed. Please look with me. And she had what kind of labor, please? Hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, for thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar upon her grave, that is the pillar of Rachel's grave, unto this day. You see, this last life event, as this last life event is taking place, she's in the middle of hard labor. But is this not indicative of Rachel's entire existence? Hasn't it always been the hard thing Rachel's had to do? Has it not always been that it's never been like it was for Leah? It has never been like it's been for anybody else. And as Rachel looks back on her life, she said this hard labor is just what my life has always been, been about. I am second to get married. I all of a sudden am barren. I'm all of a sudden, now I'm bait. Now as if you don't behave, you're not going to get Rachel. And here she lives, and now in her, her departing moments coming out of this life, she once again, unbelievable. When does Rachel ever get a break? Unbelievable. You would think that now I am past being barren. I've got Joseph. I am past being ridiculed because now I fit. And just about the time that she is like, I fit, I now am accepted. I now no longer have to use my handmaid. I now can be a mama in my own right. I now am somebody that I fit. All of a sudden, it happened once again. But this time, she leaves this life not from the success of the mountaintop, but she leaves this life from the valley of being broken. Now she's Rachel the broken. Her body had so broken down. 
I could understand, and there have been times when people have come in and they've had multiple children, and it's not uncommon for a family to get to the multiplicity of, of children for this discussion to take place. Pastor, my wife and I right now are in the discussion about having more children. Can we ask you a very situational ethics question? And I was like, absolutely. Pastor, if there is a chance that my wife will die with the next child, should we even attempt it? Those are tough conversations. And there is no pat answer. But no doubt Rachel was like, okay, this is great. Can you imagine nine months earlier when she found out she was going to have the second child? And it's like, okay, this is wonderful. I, I mean, truly, I, I now have arrived. I now will be respected to have one child. Well, maybe that was just a fluke. Maybe that was just one of those happenstances. Maybe the moon was just, maybe that, but to have a second child means that I not only am just a mother, now I am a mother of more children. Only to find out at some point labor begins to happen. Not just labor, hard labor. Her vital sign starts dipping. The midwife is looking at this condition, and the midwife is going, Rachel, I need to tell you this. This doesn't look good. And Rachel now has to come to grips with she's getting ready once again to lose out. To lose out. When I was reading and studying this story, I could not help but think about the many people in our church and the many believers that I know that live under this constant shadow of this. Here we go again. I thought I was going to get a break. Here we go again. I, th I thought I would arrive to where I would be accepted unconditionally. Now and now not. Here we go again. The U-Haul of life pulls up in their driveway again. So, so you're telling me you we're going to have to do this again? Then you find out you're being used. Rachel the bait. Then you find out that nothing is happening in your life. Rachel the barren. Then it's like I just something's got to happen. Rachel the burden. And then when it does happen... Now you're Rachel the blessed. And now it's like it happened the second time. I mean, I mean, I'm blessed. But then in the middle of giving birth, the midwife says, Rachel, you're not going to make it. But I can tell you this. It's a son. And on her way out, she says, then, then call his name, Ben-Onai. Ben-Onai literally means the son of my sorrow. Rachel on her way out said this is just indicative of everything that's ever happened 
I can't catch a break. So don't give this boy a name that will be respected. I want everybody to know that my last act on this earth was giving birth to sorrow, not giving birth to joy. Well, Paul's right here and just tell you this. The reason it's very quiet here right now is not because you're asleep. The reason it's very quiet is because all of us have been there. All of us have been there to where this is the job. This is the house. We're going to be surrounded by these friends. It'll always be this way, only to wake up and you go, seriously? Are you serious? Like, like we can't catch a break. And if you died right now, you would have to call your life Ben Onai. You would have to say as you departed, would you call my life Ben Onai? Because my life is nothing but sorrow. The baby was born. Mama dies. But I want you to look what Jacob called. Verse 38. Genesis 35, 18, I'm sorry. Genesis 35, verse 18. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Onai, but his father called him, what please? Benjamin. Benjamin. His what? His what? His father. His father. You see, there are two outlooks on your life. The two outlooks on your life are the same that is happening in this story. There is your outlook, watch this, and then there's the father's outlook. You see, you and I are in the middle of being beautiful, then being the bait, then being barren, then being burdened. And finally, it just we're going to catch a break here only to find out that we're in hard labor once again. And I don't think I'm making it now. I, I don't think this next time that I have enough strength to give birth to anything because I'm tired of becoming like this. I'm just tired of this. But you know how your heavenly father looks at it? Your heavenly father looks at it completely different than how you and I look at it. You and I look at it as this, I'm dying, I just want to die. And on the way out, would somebody at my funeral just stand my son up and just say, this was her departing gift to life, and it is this, the son of my sorrow. That's all my life is. But our father looks at our lives, and he goes, oh, no. Your life is a Benjamin because you're the son of my right hand. And that's what Benjamin means. Jacob, when he stepped up and looked at his lifeless wife laying there, and he looked at this boy. The midwife said she named him before she died. And right here on the birth certificate is Ben-Onai. And Jacob says, not so, not so. Scratch, we're going to call him Benjamin. Because as long as this boy lives, he will be the son of my right hand. As long as this boy's live, he will be a testament to the person that gave their life. And I, I, I just want to step up and say this. If life events have made you bitter, 
then I think you need to get a father's viewpoint of everything and understand that your father and my father does not look at your life as Benoni. He looks at your life as a Benjamin. You are the life of his right hand. You are the proof point that you can make it. You see, the smile that we wear is truly not the happiness of our heart. The smile we wear sometimes is just the mask that we went down to the store and we bought because we can't be sad and we can't have worry and we can't look that way. We've got to have that perpetual plastic grin to where everything's okay. And the smile with the plastic says it's a Benjamin, but once you take it off, it's a Benoni. And I'm telling you that you rest in this fact that God does not view your life like one great big series of mess-ups and problems and this and that. No, your God looks at your life and he says this, Hey, Rachel, you were second, but it didn't, you didn't give up. Rachel, you were a bait, but you didn't give up. Rachel, you were barren, but you didn't give up. Rachel, you went to those parties with no baby and you didn't give up. You finally had a son, but you didn't rub it in everybody's face. And now you're not going out as a failure You're going out as a queen. Or could I say it this way? You're going out having produced the tribe that would give the nation of Israel their first king. Saul was a what? A Benjamite. You see, what you and I interpret as a life series, God does not interpret it that way. God interprets it this way. I'm going to call you Benjamin. Because how I look at your life is success. And you will be the life of my right hand. Somebody respects you today. Somebody right now is looking at you and they're saying, I can make it. I can make it. Look at everything they've been through. If they can make it, I can make it. Look, they got back up. People are watching you as you're being used as bait to get seven more years of service out. And they're watching you just get up every day and just go to work. And they're sitting over here saying, I don't understand why they're even allowed to be used like that. Somebody's watching you as you're barren. You don't have anything. You're struggling to make it. And somebody's saying to themselves, look at them, look at them. And God's saying, look at them, look at them. They're not giving up. And somebody right now is taking strength from your life because you're not going to give up and you're not going to roll over and play dead. And what I want to bring this morning, the closing moments is this. Look at your life as a Benjamin. Don't look at it as a Benoni. Don't don't look at it because I can't get a break. Don't look at it like, here we go once again. And it's easy to do that. But that's why I read those verses, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus carried the mind of his father. And how many times on this earth when you read the Gospels, 
does he refer to his father. This is my father's will. Jesus, how do you look at it? Well, let me tell you how my father looks at it. Three things of how to look at your life as a Benjamin. Number one, life's not over yet. Did y'all hear that? Life's not over yet. You see, Rachel's wedding day did come. Rachel's birth of her son did come. Your life's not over yet. I love God. I know that's such a simplistic statement, but I love God. You know why I love God? Because he doesn't look at us in, time, in, 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 in the same viewpoint as you and I look at each other. Oh, this is it. We're not going to make it. This is it. We're not going to make it. And you know what God says? Oh, yeah, you'll make it. You'll make it. You'll make it. Keep the wedding dress in the closet, Rachel, because you're going to get married. Keep the, keep the baby crib handy because you're going to have a child. You're going to make it. You'll make it just fine. And here is this Rachel. Second thing I'll tell you is this. Not only it's not over yet, but number two, you are God's sweetheart. They that are whole need not a physician. But pastor, my life is dotted with life events that just you have no idea. I may not, but God does. Let me, let me ask you this. Which one did he love more, Leah or Rachel? Rachel. And, and there's verses in here that tell us that it was just like days. He didn't even think anything twice. When he went to Laban, he said, Laban, you deceived me. Laban said, well, seven more years you can have her. He said, you're in. You're in. That's how much she means to me. And can I tell you right now, God does not look at your life as a mess up. God looks at your life oozing with love that says this, I sure do look at them. I sure do love them. Oh, I sure do love them. I wonder how many times Laban and Rachel met at the well. And Laban, I, I just cannot imagine my sophomoric mind runs to these stories to where that next day Laban sees Rachel. And Rachel goes, I'm sorry. I, Laban, I'm sorry. I didn't know dad was going to do that. I had no idea. Please know I had nothing to do with that. Please know my love for you is huge and I wanted to marry you. Do you still want me? And can you look at, see Laban look at her and go, I love you. I want you. You see, sometimes when we're the bait and we're barren and we're broken and we carry a burden, is it not true? Sometimes people look at us and go, yeah, 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 we don't want anything to do with that family. You know, that family's toxic, so stay away from them. God doesn't look that way. Third thing I want to tell you, not only the fact that you're God's sweetheart. Oh, you're God's sweetheart. Life's not done yet. But the third thing I'll tell you is this. He might be using your life to preserve the future of your family. What was her first son? Joseph. What did God do with Joseph? Joseph, listen to this, all of a sudden had to live the life of his mama. 
That's a hard one. You see, you're okay with it happening to you. But you would not be okay if it happened to your family. So when I look at Rachel, where did Joseph get the moxie? Where did Joseph get the grace for his brothers to pull him up out of the pit and sell him? And then for him to go to the slave trader. Y'all with me? You're probably ahead of me. Him to go to the slave trader. Yes, sir. And then for him to all of a sudden go to Potiphar's house. Yes, sir. Then to be lied about. No, sir. I didn't make a move on your wife. Well, you're going to prison. Yes, sir. And then he shows up in prison. Yes, sir. And then he's forgotten about for two years. Yes, sir. And then he's brought up to the throne. Yes, sir. Where did Joseph learn to roll with the punches? Because his mama learned to roll with the punches until she got to that point. And then she said, I can't take it anymore. Your children will have their life events happen to them. But their ability not to get bitter and turn on God is directly related to how you and I look at our life. And if you and I look at it as it's a Benjamin, it may be a Ben-Noni now, but it's a Benjamin, then what God's going to do is God is. We're all going to be okay, y'all. We're going to make it safe all the way. All the way. Let's look at it how God does. Heavenly Father, Lord, I have no idea what you're trying to do in my life.